factor in Christ. For those of you that were here on Sunday, what an incredible word of the Lord that we heard. And I know I'm a little biased, but I think we have the best pastor in the world. <laughs> and I'm so honored and thankful to be able uh, to, to deliver the word here tonight. But tonight, I just want to talk a little bit about who's driving. And, you know, these days, 2023, we have self-driving cars, right? I am a bit of a skeptic still. I don't know. I mean, obviously, our car is nowhere near that. But um, I don't know if I could really, um, you know, actually just let go and let the car drive. Uh, my brother-in-law has a Tesla that can do that. And I actually haven't personally ridden in it, but Pastor has, and he sent us videos of the car driving by itself. And, you know, when it first came out, it was all this ranting and, and raving about the, the vehicle. And there are some studies that say that self-driving cars are more safe. <laughs> um, because if you think about it, you know, machines, they can't get tired or drunk or distracted or angry or anything like that. But... What if we could turn the wheel of life over to Jesus and just sit back and enjoy the ride? But, you know, some of, just like I'm a skeptic of the self-driving car, that's, it's not so easy, right? It's not so easy to just let go of the reins, right, and to just give God control of our life. You know, it could sound too good to be true. No more worries or decisions. Everything would be the driver's responsibility, right? The most difficult part of this dream is that we struggle with letting go. And we have th that same problem, allowing God to be in control. And if we could learn to trust God to direct us, and as Proverbs 3 and 5 says, to lean not to our own understanding, we could have fewer spiritual accidents in our lives. And so tonight, I'm going to be talking a little bit about who is driving. If we could just stand one more time and head to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm just going to read a few scriptures and we'll be able to sit back down. It's Ephesians chapter 5 starting at verse 15. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot in that, but what I want to talk about is understanding what the will of the Lord is, being led by the Spirit, who's driving, who's in control of our lives. Hallelujah. If we could just say a word of prayer, Lord Jesus, help us to surrender our life to you tonight, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to trust in you and give you control of our life. We love you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us, God, to know your will for our life, Lord Jesus. Speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. So there was a, a festival, and in the festival, a game where uh, it involved, you know, fathers, and 
their children. So beforehand, they took pictures of the dad and, you know, enlarged it and actually made puzzle pieces out of it. And so then at the time of the festival, um, the children, there were six fathers, so there were six puzzles. The children, they had to come up, and they, the, the challenge or the game, the festival game, was that they had to put their puzzle of their dad together, and whoever could do it first won. But there was a little bit of a catch because all six puzzles were all in one. They were all jumbled up together. So the kids not only had to put the puzzle together, but they had to find which pieces were the image of their father. And so, you know, they all hurried and and someone did. And so I'm sure you can tell where I'm going with this is we are to be the image of God. And sometimes we can't always see that because through our life, we get a little bit shattered, right? Sin separates us from God or things pull us apart. Um, But tonight I'm going to be talking a little bit about how we can find our way back. People are made in the image of God for his purpose. But much like the puzzle challenge for those children, the father's likeness, his will and purpose for our lives are shattered by the sin that came even from the very first sin, the very first man, Adam. The resulting brokenness has produced a world in which God's likeness and God's will and each of us, it requires some reassembling. People are restored by the power of the Spirit through the saving gospel and immediately embark on this journey of walking in the Spirit. This means that the Holy Spirit lives in us to influence and impact all that we are and all that we do. This is the basic premise of the book of Ephesians that we just read out of. The life of the child of God becomes the quest of finding and doing the will of the Father in heaven. So once, you know, we come to church and we have this experience, right? We repent and we say sorry and we're filled with God's spirit. And it's like, and then what, right? We're on a journey. And so tonight we're going to be talking about walking in the spirit. How can we do that? And, and we may ask ourselves, how do we know the will of God? Or how do we find the will of God? We find and know God's will through the empowering of the Spirit and the enlightening of the Word of God in our lives. Through prayer and through reading the Bible, we can help to find God's will in our life and our purpose. The truth and wisdom that come from God were pillars of the ancient Israel's faith, and that wisdom undergirded their entire existence. One could say that the prophet Jeremiah was summarizing this when he said in Jeremiah 10, 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. He understood that God leads us, right? We are led by the Lord. He is God and we are not. Humility tells us that we're not capable of being our own guide, but that we require God's wisdom in our life. This is what it means to walk in or live in the wisdom of God, to allow God to lead us. Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, right? If you've ever read Proverbs, it's just full of great nuggets of wisdom and information. 
And it puts it like this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. How many times are we walking through life and we're just stumbling? We're confused. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We've found ourselves in trouble, right? We've gotten ourselves into situations that we don't like. We don't even, you know, like what we see in the mirror. But the Bible gives us a beautiful solution to that. It says just trust in the Lord with all your heart and he will lead you. He will put you back on the right path. Our own intellect and perceptions are incapable of replacing that divine wisdom, that spiritual um, the power. We, we can't do it, right? It's got to be God. There's no amount of smarts or intelligence that we can have. We've just got to have God. So we should trust in God who knows even the very hairs on our head and trust that he knows us better than we know ourselves. Trust his heart. The book of Ephesians highlights how wonderful it is to be blessed by God with a changed heart and placed into his glorious church, which he calls it in Ephesians 5.27, his glorious church, or the household of God in Ephesians 2.19. Ephesians is a compilation of ways in which the church walks in the spirit through the unity of God's purpose and holiness of life. And Paul makes it very clear to us that holiness is not a list, but a lifestyle. It is so easy to just, you know, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't, as a Christian, I can't go here, or I can't drink this, or I can't do that. can't participate in that. But Paul says, no, it's not a list of things you can't do. It's a lifestyle of holiness that's pleasing unto God, because that's what we want, right? We want to be pleasing unto God. And this life the apostle describes in terms of holy is possible only in, it's only possible to live that holy life through the Spirit. And to have all those wondrous things in the Spirit and then to squander them would be living as fools, according to Ephesians 5.15 that we read earlier. The analogy of walking in the light, we hear that, right, throughout the Bible, we even sing it as a child. Um, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? We have that analogy of walking in the light versus walking in darkness. And Isaiah says, arise, shine, for thy light is come. And Paul wrote in Ephesians, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. This was the key to the ability of the Gentile church to become the household of God right? They preach to the Gentiles to come to the light, to leave the darkness. So rather than walking in darkness, we can walk in God's light. We can read and obey God's word and live in the power of his spirit. Ephesians 5.15, the very first scripture we read, it says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We need to walk carefully, we're not going through this life just haphazardly. Paying, we got to pay close attention to the way that we live, and that is godly wisdom. We need God's will and God's word and his power in our lives. As Christians, we, the end goal is to, to make it to heaven, right? And so if we want to do that, we've got to be intentional about it. 
there, we have to have, make intentional steps to pray. You know, you're not just going to wake up and say, I can't wait to pray, right? It's a discipline that we have in our lives, or we're not going to say, yes, I get to fast. I love it. Said no one ever, right? These are things that have to be intentional in our lives in order to find that will of God, in order to surrender to the will of God. And so there's a story of a man who he was hiking and he was going through some really rough terrain and he lost his footing and he got stuck on a slope. He was literally between a rock and a hard place. And he was trying to find a way to to jimmy himself free, but he froze when he saw a rattlesnake just inches from his face. He did get bitten, but the most memorable quote from the event was he said, rattlesnakes don't blink. Well, the Bible lesson is, is that we should watch where we walk, live our lives carefully, always walking attentively in God's glorious light and avoiding the serpent and sin's pitfalls along the way because the devil doesn't blink, right? If we lose our concentration and we get distracted on the things and the pleasures of this world, the devil doesn't blink. He's going to use every opportunity he can to try to trip us up. But as Christians, we've got to walk, we've got to be attentive to what we're doing, intentional about how we're living. God's light is essential in our life, giving insight into the times in which we live. The light pushes back the darkness, separating everything from the darkness and revealing that in that we read in Ephesians 5:16 the days are evil. We can look around, we can re- look at the news, we can, you know, scroll social media and know, right? The days are evil. Knowing therefore knowing we live in evil times and knowing that God will return, the church is redeeming the time as we read in verse 16. This is a powerful aspect of walking in wisdom. We're no longer wedged between a rock and a hard place, right? And at the mercy of a deadly rattlesnake. It's so important that we are walking in the spirit of God. It's so important that we know who's really driving, right? The importance of walking in wisdom and walking in the spirit, walking in God's light is the understanding it brings to the hearts of the children of God with respect to the will of God in their daily lives. What the Spirit provides in the believer is a truly transformative spiritual understanding, and it is life-changing. When we have that experience, when we are filled with God's Spirit, it's life-changing. When we are, you know, when we hear the Word of God, when we hear pastor preach, and we come to the altar, and we're, we're praying, and sometimes we see people crying, it's because their lives are being changed. We come to experience the joy of knowing the most significant longing of the soul, and that is what it is the Lord wants us to do. There are so many people in this world that just have such a void in their heart and in their life. They just, they don't know their purpose. They don't know, you know, what, they they just have this emptiness and they can't figure out why. And they try to fill it with all of these different things with a career or whether it be with addictions or, or whatever it is, they try to fill that void. Hallelujah. But we know 
that when we are walking in the Spirit, we have a surety, we have a peace that we know we are in the will of God. And there is such a comfort that comes with that. The transforming power of the Spirit in our hearts relates to the purpose and desire of God becoming realized here on earth. Jesus told us to pray, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Through prayer and with the searching of the heart, we are able to seek and find an understanding of the will of God. The seeker must exceed intellectual pursuits by reaching into the realm of prayer and spiritual comprehension. We must seek the will of God in our lives. A specific choice like deciding on a college or a career, a marriage partner or a ministry calling, it must be made in consideration of God's will for our lives. Can we really know the will of God for a specific choice? Yes, we can. It's by keeping our hearts pure and running each choice through the filter of pleasing God above all else. We can be confident that our decisions will be guided by his spirit. When we allow, when we eliminate the sin in our life, when we push past our flesh, and when we really pray and we seek after God, he will direct our paths. He will help us to know his will. When we are seeking God's will and walking in the spirit, we are promised the blessing of spiritual insight into the heart of God. It is the very definition of walking in wisdom or in his spirit or in God's light. Of course, the understanding promise cannot be on our timetable, right? We must also recognize the obvious that God's will may be no when we really, really want a yes. In, uh, in William's school, he has this little saying that he has to repeat with them. It says, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says you just have to wait. I hear that all day. <laughs> and it reminds me, because so many times, you know, we're, we're praying and we may think it's an unanswered prayer when really we know that God's will is best. There was one minister who he had prayed a similar prayer to what Jesus had prayed, not my will, but thine be done. And he, he was praying, and he uh, had to get on a flight out of the United States. And he was frustrated when every single effort failed. Everything was going wrong, and he was just like, why is this happening? What's going on? Um, and then he found out, later that a report came that the aircraft did not reach its destination, but it had crash landed somewhere. And so how thankful the minister must have been that God had blocked his boarding of that plane. You know, in the moment when God says no, or when God says wait, it's hard to, it's hard to still trust, right? In those times, it's hard to trust when you're not seeing an immediate answer or when, you know, you've worked so hard and overcome temptation, but there's not some prize waiting there, right? Or again, if, if we just, we want something and God is saying no, or if you're trying to get a job and nothing happens, you know, those are the times when we, 
really have to just trust God and know that if we are seeking him, if we're seeking God's will and God's plan in our life, that he will direct our paths. We have to ask ourselves, who's driving? Sometimes the issue isn't even knowing God's will, but it's our willingness to accept it, right? In a world in which the truth of God's word is increasingly marginalized and rejected, the contrast between the light of his will and purpose and the darkness of sin could not be more obvious. We must deliberately choose the spirit and its influence to unleash God's power in our lives. The choice to be filled with the spirit means that we reject the substitutes. We recognize that the world cannot satisfy what only God can accomplish in our lives. The obsessions and addictions of the world, such as alcohol's short-lived thrills, drugs' temporary highs, and sins of destruction, are some vices resulting from the lack of spiritual wisdom that we are, in fact, warned about. The inadequacy of sin contrasted with the eternal benefits of the infilling of God's spirit is a powerful truth. Sin is bondage that will squander your potential. Slaves to sin are not the intended design of their creator. God created us to worship, not to be bound, not to be struggling every day, not to be hurting. We all make choices every single day. And so we must intentionally choose the spirit of God, his power and influence in our lives God is real. God answers our genuine solutions to our needs and to the needs of our heart. In our praise and our singing and our giving of thanks, we're choosing the flow and influence of the Spirit of God. When we surrender to God's will, we recognize God's sovereignty, even in this dark world. The will of God and the work of his spirit in our lives invoke in us the proper response of awe and reverence before God. We joyfully and willfully practice submission to the Almighty. The benefits that flow from such a surrender to God are beyond our human measurement. In Romans 8, 27, it says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. How beautiful it is that even, even when we don't know what to ask for, God has a will, a purpose, a plan for our lives. We are truly blessed. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. This means the willful submission and surrendering of your own will for the good of others. Submission to one another comes from our submission to the mind and the will of God. When we're submitting our life to God's will, that means that we are also submitting ourselves to the good of others. God loves us and values and restores us spiritually, so we in turn obey his will to love others and to love one another. This love is inclusive of the worth and value of human beings that God bestowed upon us. This is the heart of the gospel. 
Jesus told his disciples, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. That's John 13, 34. Love is the ultimate surrender of the will. In John 13, 35, it says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. When we truly love God, and when we are walking in his spirit, when we're choosing to pray, when we're choosing to read the Bible, when we are choosing not to sin, we are becoming more like God. And in that, we are going to be able to love each other and show love one to another. When life in the Spirit unites our love and surrender to God with the test of our love for one another, we are experiencing the leading of the Spirit. The great victory message of Romans 8 is this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The leading of the Spirit is our surrender to the will of God. And perhaps the most powerful attestation to the benefit of surrender to the will of God is the leading of his Spirit. In Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. God is able in his sovereign power to work all things. Everybody say all things. All things, whatever they may be for our good. Isn't that beautiful? When we're walking with the Lord, when we're walking in the Spirit, God, his promises is that he will work all things for our good. Whatever our circumstance, and we can go ahead and stand, we can know that God is sovereign even in our difficulties, even in illness, in pain, or in loss. For us as believers, knowing and trusting the Spirit through the world's rough terrain makes all the difference. We cannot know or understand everything that comes our way in life, but we hold to the hand of the God who does. We learn to walk in the wisdom of God, and in the height of that wisdom is trust in God. The depth of foolishness and the most unwise of choices is to turn from and reject the will of God. Rather than walk in the spirit, the fool who walks in in his, in his own wisdom. We discover the power of walking in the spirit in the light of truth, and the result is that they become possessors of the light. Like a torch for truth, we burn brightly as a witness in the dark world. Because we now see clearly in the light, we can redeem the time we once squandered to make an eternal difference in the world. The will of God is knowable. We seek the understanding of his will and we can find it. And in the spirit of God helps us to make right choices in every area of our lives. This is what it means to walk in the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. Nothing, in this nothing that this world can offer comes close to the joy of a Spirit-filled life. Amen. 
Nothing compares to the presence of God in our praise and our singing and our thanks as we worship God and we submit to his will and submit in love to one another. We demonstrate what it means to be a child of God. And in a very real sense, we become like the God that we love and serve. So I just want to encourage you tonight, if you have not received God's spirit in your life, if you do not have the Holy Ghost, if you haven't been filled with his spirit, I want to encourage you that as we have this altar call to repent, to just say sorry to God for all of the things that you've done and make some commitments to let God do the driving, right? To trust in God, to surrender our heart and our life to the will of God because when he is leading the way, we know that we can't go wrong. He'll never steer us wrong. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's, let's commit to being intentional and to seek after the will of God. As Christians, sometimes we're going and we're just going through life and, and we wonder, why isn't God doing this? Why isn't God doing that? And we think, have you prayed about it? Have you brought it to God? Have you even asked? And so with every decision, we have to be intentional about what is going to be pleasing to God? What does God want me to do in this situation? And so I just want to encourage you, if you want to come down to this altar, let's just pray and surrender our heart and our will to God tonight. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much.